Stand by, silence please. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Part two of El Politico is recorded on the 16th of March 2023 at approximately 12.30pm. time for a bit of culture. We're going to play a song and you're going to discuss what it has to do with anything in about three minutes time. Absolutely. Go for it Luke. Okay. Right then, Paul, uh, we're talking about uh, turf cutting. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The turf man from RD there by the Mary Wallopers. Um, it's just, I suppose, Luke, I suppose, um, we've just finished um, um, a great exhibition down in the library um, here in Scarif over the last month or so um, by Natalie Ian. Own Ruth and sorry no the other man's name escapes my mind just at the moment I know a lot of people in East Clare I hope a lot of East Clare people have visited it because unfortunately um, I think it's over now at this stage but it's a really beautiful exhibition with respect to the bogs which are such a significant part um, of us here in North East Clare um, so I just um, I really enjoyed it I have to say I enjoyed all the pieces in it um, I it, it, it is very very, very, very impressive very yeah. very good yeah. very very good and that's a lovely little thing actually you know the library and what it does there vis-a-vis exhibitions um, and I know we've had um, the previous one that the, the person who exhibited here was speaking on um, the um, Saturday Chronicle show um, as well but I have to say um, pound for pound our own one here from East Clare by um, um, all the people, by all the people I mentioned yeah um, well, the best, well, 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 the best I've yeah. seen um, well, well, for a while. Yeah. So well, well, well done on that. Well and, and, and you know the great thing we'll say with, with the services that the library provide. No, no entrance fee. Yeah, you it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little nugget it. actually. It's a little golden nugget. In fairness, um, the library down there. Our oh, two young fellows are going in there on a Tuesday night now, learning chess. Oh, very, very good. good. And, and we should of course allude to there are libraries in Tull and Killaloo That's right. as well. In, yeah, in, and a brand new one coming up in in in. Is that going to be called the Devilera? I wonder. Well, that could be a That'd political be interesting bit of politics. So, yeah, now, yeah, won't yeah, it? I know exactly, think of it. Yeah. yeah, it's currently being under construction. So yeah, exactly. Well that. done. Well, and that's so that Mary Wallopers Turfman from RD, especially yep. for our. Uh, give us a bit of history to Mary Wallopers, uh, Paul. <laughs> now you know you're um, the musical guru. I don't know. A band, I suppose, they're starting to get a bit of traction there now. Get getting a bit of notice. Um, they were a three-piece for a long time, kind of belting out the ballads. Um, they've expanded that band now. They're very distinctive style, I suppose you'd call them, that kind of ballads. Um, a lot of their work would be kind of the songs and writings of one of the Behan, not Brendan Behan, Dominic Behan, um, one of the Behan brothers. Is, look, they're, they're, they're a treasure trove of stuff um, um, presenting there. Just a very distinctive and unique style. There's no doubt of that. Maybe oh, not. It's more reminiscent of 20, 30 years ago. 
Possibly, yeah, yeah possibly. You know, so but there's a, you, you, you get kind of hints of kind of didgeridoos or <laughs> that type of thing in there yeah. as well, or, or kind of long drawn out accordions. Um, yeah, the Merry Wallopers. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll be hearing yeah. no doubt about it. Exactly. No about well, it. And I'm sure uh, all going well, they'll appear in a venue around East Clare Hopefully, soon. Hopefully, yeah, so that'll be nice. Hopefully that'll be good. So, yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. Exactly. So, right. Now, listen, uh, part two of what we're going to discuss about this weekend. And this is a topic that I can't imagine that any of us thought we'd be talking about. Well, well now, the medium is one that we have alluded to on many an occasion, uh, is Twitter. Just an hour ago, or yeah, just in the last hour. Exactly. Whenever this will be yeah. broadcast. And I'm going to read a tweet, and we're then going to have a discussion about lots of things. And we're not really going to concentrate on what the actual topic that the tweet was uh, intended to be about was actually about because it's a UK government policy. Mm. But that seems to have been lost in the ether. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read the following uh, tweet. This is just an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 1930s. Now, that is a tweet from the host of Match of the Day mm-hmm. on the BBC, Gary Lineker. And to say that the reaction to that went nuclear, Paul, <laughs> is... Understating it. Exactly. So you went from a social media tweet by a person that used kick a ball around for years... Uh, previous captain of England, of course, and uh, we thank him for not being on his game in uh, Euro '88. That's right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, for that day in particular, but Gary Lineker has hosted matches of the day since 1999. Mm. Would generally be seen as a very good pundit. Mm. Uh, he's paid, I think, about he's paid a lot less than what he was previously paid, but he's paid about maybe a million and a half ish mm. a year by uh, the BBC, BBC. Uh, to sort of host that and do a few other bits and pieces as well. But has um, always been able to sort of speak his mind freely about stuff that isn't re- really related to football. You would think, you know, and has yeah. previously alluded to He has alluded done to. that, yeah. Yeah, he has done that. So um, in relation to that, and we'll say with the whole thing with the BBC, there's 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 a few um, bits that I want to play. And we'll come back and just have a, a discussion on it. And we, we spoke about the Spin Master in, past, in part one, uh, Alistair Campbell, right? And Alistair Campbell... Um, was on the BBC being interviewed by a BBC journalist. And the first part of this you're going to hear is from said BBC journalist. And just to bear in mind that uh, the company that uh, Gary Lin- a company that Gary Lineker is associated with and Alistair Campbell, they both uh, are sort of linked in the way that uh, w- their podcast is sort of mm. hosted on w- yeah. one of the platforms. So, so just uh, <clears throat> to, if you're looking for a bit of context, just have a listen to this. And then we're going to go to... Uh, uh, a Sky Sports commentator again. What are what sports doing on El Politico? But we're just going to say it. And you, this is where you had taken it away from the BBC and you were back to the commercial world. And it was one of the best sort of takedowns of the sort of the irony and the hypocrisy of the situation that the BBC sort of find themselves in, found themselves in, and the whole reaction to it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the BBC journalist talking to Alistair Campbell. <coughs> Some ways you have um, 
Uh, well, you, you've, you've got business links, shall we say, with Gary Lineker, because you, you, you work on that podcast that is part of his company. But what do you think of this announcement by the BBC that he is stepping back from Match of the Day? Well, I'll come to the second part for later, but let me just say that is unbelievable that you feel you have to make that point clear right at the top. Well, it's true. Isn't does it? that, wait a minute. Yes, it is true. But does it mean, for example, that every BBC bulletin now should begin with the words, we should point out to viewers that the BBC is chaired by a man who makes massive donations to the Conservative Party and who helped Boris Johnson get an £800,000 loan? I'm just pointing Can out, any... explaining to the viewers yes, I know. that you do have a business connection with him. That's a little bit of a burn if you uh, mm. ever wanted to hear one. And if you want to hear a, sort of a more general and perhaps a, a better explanation of it by people that aren't maybe linked to it. You know, you have it's always good to have a degree of separation, Paul. Mm. Uh, this is a, a, an interview of uh, Sky Sports. This is what the guidelines say. But a lot of people are looking at this and saying, how come Andrew Neil? Uh, one of the most high-profile political journalists and interviewers uh, on the BBC for many, many years. How come he is allowed to be the chairman of a right-wing magazine, The Spectator? How come he is allowed to express political opinions on Twitter as much as he wants? How come the chairman of the BBC, Richard Sharp, the chairman, is somebody who donated £400,000 to the Conservative Party, someone who has helped arrange an £800,000 loan for the former Prime Minister, uh, Boris Johnson. How come Robbie Gibb, or as we have to call him, Sir Robbie Gibb, who used to be the communications director for the former Prime Minister, Theresa May, how come he's on the BBC board at the moment? Why is Alan Sugar allowed to say what he wants on Twitter about political matters? Uh, What about Jeremy Clarkson? He's got a column in The Sun, he's got a column in The Sunday Times, he was on the BBC, he frequently expressed uh, political opinions which many people think are extreme on social media. And why is the Director General of the BBC, Tim Davey, the Director General, he used to be the Deputy Chairman of the Hammersmith and Fulham Conservative Party. He's a man who's stood as a candidate in local elections for the Conservative Party. So why is all this allowed? Yet Gary Lineker is not allowed to make a fairly innocuous comment, which many, many people would agree with, about a policy that has been condemned by the United Nations and also by many human rights groups. And this is the same Gary Lineker who's been allowed on the BBC to criticise the human rights record of Qatar. Why is he not allowed to criticise the human rights record of the country he lives in. Now, Paul. Yeah. There's a lot to... Yeah, that's succinct there now at the end. And that, that's exactly it. It's all there in a nutshell. All right. Very, very um, succinct, as I say at that. Yeah. Discuss. And I suppose uh, it's one way of illustrating how the Tories have infiltrated would be the wrong word, but how a little bit like they're, you know, they, they sort of said they want to literally disband the BBC and how's the best way to disband That's it? The theory. They sort of put yeah. everybody in charge of it. Yeah. You know, their own people there. Destroy from within. As Margaret Thatcher talked about the mining strike in 1984, the enemy within. Yes. Um, possibly. It's, it could be a strategy. It could be a strategy. Um, yeah, there is so much um, food for thought um, in this whole thing. Be- before we discuss that, do you want to give us a bit of context as to what 
the whole topic is actually about. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. You're right. You, you know, I, and it's yeah. a bit like uh, you know when we were doing the pre-production, I was saying to you. Uh, did we ever think that we'd have someone uh, in the UK politics that we didn't dislike more than Pretty Patel, mm. uh, you know, for the way that she carried on? And now you just have more arrogance coming out with the Our Home Secretary, yeah. Suella Braverman. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and uh, you know, they've basically come out with, with a policy in relation to migrants. Yeah. And this is people coming across the channel. Uh, 48,000 uh, have come across. Uh, or attempted to year. come come across in the last four years, four years, four years either. since two thousand and eighteen, and uh, wonder how that would be linked with possibly, mm. and you had Sunak going over to Macron in recent days, basically saying, "Oh, we got a, we got a great deal, and they're going to build a, migra- a migrant centre mm. in in France, and yeah. the UK are going to pay for it." Yeah. The, which is the bit that the Brits forgot mm. to mention, you know. But that whole policy is one that is for debate. You know, give give me your thoughts okay, on it. T- take that. So let's just look at the 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 architecture again. Not to be overusing that word, but let's look at the architecture. Possibly one of the biggest issues that's facing the world is migration. There's no doubt about that, and it's because of climate change. It's because of tensions and wars in various countries throughout the world. And economic. And economics. So we are going to be facing this issue. There is absolutely no doubt about it. You can talk about Trump building the wall. You can talk about Angela Merkel welcoming Syrian refugees. You can talk about Rishi Sunak and Sula Braverman stopping the small boats. You know, it is definitely the biggest issue the world is going to face in the next 25, 30 years. Um, even here in Ireland, you know, we have our minister, Roderick O'Gorman, we have our Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, you know, um, talking about migration. You know, it's, it's open-ended and there will be climate refugees coming now as well. So it's an issue that is going to have to be dealt with. There is no doubt about that. It's going to have to be dealt with. Now, what's happening in the UK at the moment, through the offices of the um, legislation that um, Suella Braverman, the... Um, Home Secretary is bringing is, again, no more so than like Brexit, it's foghorn diplomacy and it's legislation that actually won't ultimately work. It won't ultimately work. They're trying to create this wall around the UK where there's no actual way to come in to the country and seek asylum. You know, that we have no responsibility at all whatsoever. And if you do manage to get in, well, we're going to put you on a plane and get you to Rwanda and we're paying the Rwandans to, to... to look after to, you. To look after yeah. you. So they will not accept any responsibility for the migration that's going to happen around the world in the future. That's basically, I think, where it is that their immigration policy is, is coming from. And it's ironic that the Home Secretary um, is the daughter of, I think, Ugandan or Kenyan um, economic right. yeah. migrants as well. Rishi Sunak is Indian um, yeah. So a lot of the cabinet, the UK cabinet, James Cleverly, a man of colour, you know, a lot of them, um, Kimmy Badenoch, the D- development secretary, um, you know, so it's the classic thing. And we experienced it even here ourselves in Ireland. And we have a, sp- a specific kind of, you know, we, we, we have a, a connection with migration. We emigrated all around the world here in Ireland. But again, people would tell you, you know, the second generation have a tendency at times to pull up the ladder and not allow any more. And look, look, that's the way things are. And Irish yeah. people have done that as well, I think, around the world as well. But the UK now at this stage are making a most deliberate 
um, attempt to kind of pull up the ladder, close up the 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 shorelines, build that wall, and not allow anybody in. Look, this is about performative politics as well in relation to they've wrecked the joint for the last thirteen years economically. Um, there's nothing left in the tank. They're a tired um, uh, government that has kind of, you know, has a stench of corruption about it in relation to the provision of PPE gear in relation to honours list and the whole thing. It looks like they're going to take an absolute hammering in the next election. And it looks bo- like and that. Bor- Boris is due before, and uh, Boris is due before the party get yeah. um, investigation Committee, next week. Yeah. So this is look. They're they're trying to create this culture war um, campaign for the next general election. But it's a very serious issue, and more so than what you mentioned there with Rishi Sunak, again, a bit like the Brexit, going to France, quietly negotiating with Macron, recognising that there is an issue and it's going to have to be solved in some format. That's the way to do it. But this is a performance um, for... the general election campaign in the UK. Now, it's a dangerous performance because go back to Lineker's actual tweet and I'll read it again. This is just an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 1930s. That's the bit that kind of created the the going nuclear language yeah, that the, is not the, dissimilar the, the, the to last that used sentence. by Germany in the 1930s. Now, he didn't call anybody Nazis. He didn't call that. And if you look at the language, so if, it's, if that's what he's saying, well, then you've got to analyse and look at the language. And language is really important. So Suella Braverman, in presenting this bill, I think it was debated in the House of Commons this week, but last week, in presenting this bill to the media and to get it, get it up and going, she talked about an invasion Yes. Of people. Millions and billions. She, oh, not, oh, a billion, yeah. 100 million yeah. and a billion. So her language was deliberately intemperate, deliberately controversial, controversial deliberately stoking up fires. So Lineker's qu- tweet comes out, I think that was a Tuesday. Next thing by Tuesday night, you might remember, our listeners might remember, there was a circular issued to Conservative members from the Home Secretary um, explaining her piece of legislation. And in that, she talked about the left-wing blob that was acting against her and what she was trying to do in stopping the votes. And this is exactly, this is exactly the language that was used in the 1930s in Germany. And it's been used around the world when you want to stoke division, when you want to create tensions that aren't necessarily there, when you want to distract from what it is that's actually politically happening or economically happening. This is the type of language that you use. So Lineker's tweet to any rational person, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. The language, he refers to the language that was used in Germany in the 1930s. And it's there. It's written down. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the classic quote from Mein Kampf or Joseph Goebbels, I don't know which, one, which of them it was, make the lie big enough and then people will believe it. Yep. So that's why Suella Braverman says 100 million, 1 billion, make it big enough for people to believe. So yep. the language is critically important. And there's a famous essay, there's a famous essay from George Orwell, and this is kind of ironic in that George Orwell is actually outside, and we'll come to this now with the whole public service broadcasting thing, but George Orwell is a statue of him outside BBC headquarters. He has a famous essay, and it's well worth going back because it's a kind of one of those ones where you can go back and have a look at and, and it still applies today. And this was written in 1946. It was kind of a famous essay called Politics and the English Language. And he talked about political language. And political language, he quotes, it's, it's designed to make lies sound truthful and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. So what Braverman is doing is absolutely pure wind. Yes. But she's trying to give solidity to that on the basis of, I am going to be going forward with my party as a significant operator, the third highest office in the UK government yes. in an election in a year's time 
and we've nothing else to fight on, so we're going to fight on this. Yeah. That's really what it's about. Yeah, and the war is being fought literally on social media. Yes, that's, and that goes back to what we said earlier. Yes. The thing takes off. If, if it was just about Sweller Braverman talking in the House of Commons or making press releases, it wouldn't really, you know, it would have a bit of traction and a bit of, ooh, yeah, ah, yeah, that's, that's terrible. But that's not sexy, Paul. Yeah, yeah, but yeah we're thing, not interested but in that. this is the interesting thing, with, and this is what I'm saying. Make no mistake, people will have looked at the reaction to this on Twitter um, in the last week and they said, oh, that's interesting. Um, we can fight the next election on the basis of incendiary commentary, get the thing going on Twitter. And then while that's happening, you know, the, the really clever people would have, the really, really um, we're not part of that, but the really clever political people would be having a very close look at what else was on the domestic political agenda last week while this firestorm and nuclear war was going off. Yeah. Because mark my words, there was a lot of other stuff going on that we didn't know about. about. There was much more, much, much, much more significant yeah. than what it is. But this is where we are now. It's it, it would have been like the traditional media dump at 9 Yes, fifty p.m. on Christmas a Friday Eve night, or Friday night, or, 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 or Friday yeah. night, or uh, the, it, about it, it, twelve o'clock on a Saturday night after the Sunday papers had gone to print. It's and, an updated version of yeah, that. But because we're now all living in uh, sort of real time, effectively, mm. where everybody has a voice and yeah. everybody has an opinion, and it can get amplified, uh, rightly or wrongly, and, and gains traction straight away. And you know, we've spoken about we say how local and national media and international media are sort of struggling to deal with that because you can look at the whole scenario, you know, we'd say with with how news is broken and going off topic a little bit, but the coverage of uh, the recent disappearance of a lady in the UK. Oh, yes, that's right. And how that was dealt Mm. with was a little bit like shock jock treatment again rather than you know the compassion seems to be out the window again you see people the thing started to gain traction on a social media platform so then people felt they were coming under the spotlight so then people felt they had to address it in a certain way so then people um, let out information that had no relevance at all to the 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 poor woman's um predicament um, predicament but it did maybe in some way they might have felt it protected their institution or, yeah. you know, or so it gets, it, it gets it's, across it's the message the, the, they, want. they want it's a snowballing yeah. it's a snowballing effect yeah. but you see make, but you go, you go back to the first piece you played there Luke as well Alistair Campbell and Alistair Campbell actually people will remember Alistair Campbell we know him here in Ireland as well quite significantly he was over here recently launching Bertie's podcast Bertie Hearn's podcast yeah. on, on the, again he would have been um, very um, engaged and involved in the Good Friday Agreement kind of yeah. the raw politics of that with Tony I, I, Blair and I, 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 I'm going to cut, off, cut you off for two seconds because I think I know where you're going to go with this you say that with Campbell, you'd start to say, right, well, is he not compromised because he was the person that was involved, we'll say, with Tony Blair and the whole agenda on weapons of mass destruction? That's exactly. Well, right. how can you read my mind? Uh, 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 <laughs> Am I that predictable? No, no Paul, because partly because <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it. But Campbell, we'll say, in, on his The Rest is Politics uh, podcast, has alluded to the fact that he would address that issue okay. and talk about it. He will. And... Uh, this week, two-parter podcast. Oh, okay, right. Uh, and no, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, so I can't comment okay. on it. But, but that's what struck me about it. You know, yes. if, if you look at... If, look, we're, we're looking for a point in time, but f- f- when has... Maybe has always been. Okay, Orwell talks in 1946 about uh, the appearance of trying to make wind solid. Um, it's always been an issue. But if you're looking for a point in time about when things significantly changed, and we can see the turmoil that's been there now since, we'll say, Brexit in 2016 or the election of Donald Trump in 2016. But what is it that brought us to 2016? Yeah. And maybe this will be interesting, podcast. One of the more significant events would most definitely have been, and it's a 20 years anniversary now um, of the beginning of the war in Iraq. 
um, yes. the invasion of Iraq. And again, if you look at the history of that, and it's now we can look back over the history and we can see the, the dossier on the weapons. Um, David Kelly, people remember that man who took his own life, you know, um, yeah. after being grilled in the commons. You see... Alistair Campbell's hands are not necessarily clean no, on this whole thing absolutely. either. And be, it would be fascinating. I'm just mm. the point I'm making is that Campbell's Campbell has what well, while he appears now he's on the side of good and he's the knight in shining armor. You know, not necessarily. You know, he he, he 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 his contribution might have been at the start of this era of this disinformation, this not respecting the body politic. You know, we had a million people marched against that war at the time. Campbell was accused of sexing up or asking his person in MI6 to sex up the dossier to make sure the weapons of mass destruction. So again, yeah. you see, in, when it comes to information, when it comes to how information is presented to people and, and, and thus how it is that people can make decisions, that man has a certain amount of um, responsibility exactly. there as well. So I find it difficult enough <laughs> to listen to Alistair Campbell. Yes. I'm always cautious. He's, yes. he's, 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 he's an interesting character, no doubt about that, but I'm always cautious listening to Alistair Campbell. Yeah. I would I, put I, it that I, way. And I said we, we'd advise everyone to go off and have a listen to it because I, I will get around to it myself in the next few That's, days. And we, can, we, can may, we can maybe yeah. discuss it on, yes. on a future show. But, yeah. but in fairness to him, uh, he will discuss matters like that and, and you know, has, well, has, has alluded to him in the past and, and sort of will, will not deny that he has made mistakes, mm. right? Now, you could look at... You That's know, a pretty catastrophic one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's a pretty catastrophic and you one. think about it, uh, just in general, if we, if, were, it is if, a we, if we were to talk about, uh, say, UK politicians, right? Tony Blair is a man that would be held fairly in fairly good stock with a lot of people in this country. Yes, but, again... But... Mm-hmm. Iraq, yeah, and his part in it, or you know, yes, that whole incident has tinged totally his tarnished and tarnished his reputation internationally. And it's a bit like uh, he came out and had very strong opinions on Brexit, but I think an awful lot of the media, especially in the UK and to a certain extent international, it's a bit like yeah. We can't really listen to what he's going to say because look at what he did on Iraq. Yeah, and you could and you could take away, you could look at Iraq in one way, and then look at what he did for Northern Ireland. Yeah, because I think it's fairly safe to say that if it wasn't for him, to a large extent, that Mm. the dialogue would not have got back underway. To a certain extent, to a certain extent, he brought it over the line. I would give most most credit there for the kind initially getting to jump that fence to Albert Reynolds and yes. John Major. Yes. And Bertie Hearn and Tony Blair. In fairness, Took it and it was, they, they, they yeah. got it over the line and they got, it was the architecture we talked about, the Andrews, yeah. St. Andrews Agreement, the Good Friday Agreement itself. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, 100% they did. But I wouldn't forget John Major and Albert Reynolds. No, absolutely, abs- absolutely uh, not. And and I think yeah. the risks that they took. Yeah, political risks. Yes, absolutely. That's the point. Were at that time. significantly. Huge. Major in a... In, in, major. In, 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 with the, with the very slim majority in 92. Exactly. And with the with the political scenarios that they both found themselves in mm. politically because they were not popular decisions, but they took them because they yeah. said it was for the greater good. And they have been vindicated. Yeah. And hopefully that vindication will continue yeah. because no one ever wants to go back to what. No, how things work. But you, you you take the point there, and I think this is I think this is how things work politically. I think this is how things work, um, and all those participants we mentioned there: Major, um, Reynolds, Hearn, Blair, Blair. Take each of them. 
As a politician, you establish, you develop, you create political capital through your actions. And then you have to go and you have to spend that political capital. That's what yep. you do in trying to get your agenda um, across the line. So you kind of have, you, you, you empty the, you, know, you build it and you empty it and you try and build it again. So Blair would have built his political capital on the basis of 1998 and the Good Friday Agreement and on the basis of Things Can Only Get Better. Remember the famous yes. Dear Ream song in 1997? Having, having a good majority w- w- as well. With Gordon Brown and, and, and the whole kind of way they kind of socially um, dealt with UK problems. And in the same way, Albert Reynolds would have established and built capital um, when it came to um, 1992 and 1994, most yeah. especially. And I'll just start with him. He, he established the capital and then he burnt it all really, really quickly with the Harry Wheelahan. Absolutely. And so, okay, so there you go. As, you you, you the, get the your great, capital. Line, it's just little things little that things get that you. you up. Not really. <laughs> so you build up your capital and next thing, Dick Spring says, oh, well, maybe I can deal with it because of what we achieved in Ireland, Ireland. But then suddenly, boom, it goes. So your capital is gone. So you have to go and start it again. Anyway, Blair, he does that. And then he spends all his total capital is gone with that decision that he made. Yeah. Purely for the reason, when we look at it now, when it was an- analysed by Chilcott and it was analysed by various inquiries, it was a total stitch up. The um, dossier that required yeah. the UK to enter this war with but the US. But it was just to sort of keep Bush happy. Who knows what the motivations actually were? Possibly, more than likely, he, I think there might have been a bit of um, hubris in Blair's case. He probably felt after five years, 97, 2002, he had won that yeah. m- stonking majority again in 2002. I'm the best thing ever. I'm great. I can, I'm, on, great. The, I'm yeah. on the world stage now at this stage. So, yeah, more than likely that that's what it was. But your capital is gone. You have nothing left. And he never, never, ever was able to, because he had spent so much on the Iraq war of yep. his capital, he was never able to regain that capital. You saw in the 2005 general election, they kept him off the stage in the UK. It was Gordon Brown that won that election. So yes. that's, I think, how it works at, politic, at, at a high political, at any political level. You establish, you build, you develop a bit of political capital, you spend it, you hope you can replenish it, and the cycle continues. And I think Blair spent way too much of it in 2003, and he's, he's, he's what you call it, his, his, his legacy yeah. is hugely tarnished, hugely tarnished because of that. To the point of actually where you see him now today on the world stage, kind of hawking himself around the place. Um, interestingly, this week, I don't know if you follow, there's a story in America where there's a Chinese um, man that's been indicted. He's one of these kind of billionaires that had to leave China because he was against the regime of Xi Jinping. But he's in New York, but again, he's up for fraud at this stage now yeah. and, and he's in, about to be indicted um, by the Attorney General in New York. Close friend of Blair's, Blair gave him the kind of the nod to go and get some whatever. Fifth yeah. Avenue apartment. You know, so this little cabal. You know, so I look, yeah. Blair, and uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm not so sure. Our, His our, legacy. I, I suppose great. We're, going, we're going to say like anyway, most people, we're flawed characters, flawed, flawed but, characters. But, but, that's right. But we'd say I, you could say for certain things, tried to contribute to the greater good. But anyway, yeah. that we've taken a slight bit we've, of a detour yes, there. But, we, but we'll just come <laughs> back to Gary Lineker, and we'll talk about soccer. Or yeah. are we talking about soccer? Well, well interesting to look on the soccer thing. I was, just think, I was talking about this to somebody else during the week. If you take, you know, th- th- I don't know one thing that struck me last week on this with the Lineker tweet and, and just, again, with an eye towards the, the forthcoming general election in the UK, the Labour Party, they just seem to be afraid of their shadows. You know, they don't seem to be able to 
call it out for what it actually is. Initially, Keir Starmer and the Labour Party, they weren't actually um, calling this out for being absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, they were trying to hedge their bets. They were trying to say, oh yes, we're dealing with small boats as well. You know, they were trying to do it that way until very late in the day they decided, oh, we'll back Gary Lineker now. Interestingly, the last two initiatives where there's been political punches landed on the Tory party have come from the world of football. So there's Gary Lineker last Friday. And when was the last one? Oh, uh, Rashford. Rashford and the school dinners. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's coming from that. <laughs> it's it, interesting. It, it, from it, a cultural it, UK point of yeah, view, but it's coming from the terraces. Exactly. But it, is it a sign, Paul, that, you know, we'll say it's the societal change, but it's actually also the political change that's sort of there as well, in that a lot of the discourse isn't actually from the politicians themselves. It's from criticism of policies and criticisms of... Uh, you know, it's a, be it individuals or parties or stuff like that. But it's coming from the little, a little bit like we'd say what's in America. It's from the personalities. Yeah. You know, and it's a bit like a lot of people will have more interest in what Gary Lineker says or does because of the fact that um, maybe not so much the fact that he was a footballer 20 years ago before social media really existed. Mm. Now, we would have grown up with him, obviously, yeah. but most younger people wouldn't have. But it's because he's a personality. Yeah. And you'd say, Rashford, okay, he plays football. But the the line between football and when he came out, you know, what he was trying to do with regards to dinners for, mm. for kids, uh, that transcended football. And when political... Well, it's a big political issue. But it was like he was being used by a lot of people in the UK to sort of throw stones at the political yeah, but in f- race. Yeah. Or what do you think? Yeah, no, in fairness, I, if you take both of those examples, I think Lineker you know, has been extraordinarily careful even in the language he used in the original tweet. Like, Lineker isn't endorsing a political candidate. Marcus Rashford isn't endorsing. Yeah, but they're, ju- they're involved in an issue, whether it's the dinners for school children or whether it's the migration policy. Yeah. And they're, I think they're very careful in how they present themselves and but, how they do but it. But neither are news journalists, right? Yeah. So for the organisation, and I'll take Rashford out of this now because we say Lineker, I suppose, yeah. is the, the, the topic of the week. Yeah. He's an em- he's not an employee of the BBC. He's mm. contracted to the BBC and yeah. he's con- contracted to present Match of the Day. Yeah. And the last time I sort of looked up to prior to last weekend, Match of the Day was a programme about people kicking a ball around the pitch <laughs> and invariably involves uh, scores, misses and uh, giving out about yeah. VAR. Yeah. Okay. So nothing to do with politics. Mm. Right. Absolutely nothing to do with politics. And the original audio that we listened to there uh, spoke about Andrew Marr um, you know he he's a political journalist mm. but he can tweet yeah. political issues yeah you know there's other people involved that would sort of tweet political stuff that are involved in politics that are invariably linked we say Alan Sugar is a businessman yeah right he basically was putting out to vote Tory last time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but he, he explicitly, he explicitly said, vote Boris Johnson. Don't yeah. Vote. And he put up a kind of a meme of Jeremy Corbyn's head beside Hitler in a car or something yeah. like that. And, and you sort of said, OK, now, he's a businessman, but he's he's been contra- he's been contracted by the BBC as well. Mm. Now, he, as you said, Gary Lineker did not come out and attack any politician. No, no. no. He came out and sort of said, talk, spoke about language. Yeah. 
right? So just give me your thoughts on how you think it all worked out and yeah. uh, well, what, you, what does it say about English society? Yeah, well, here we are. Look, I think the big the big thing here, okay, the, the, as part of the moving on on Monday, was that we're having a review of our kind of social media guidelines and how yeah. presenters, whether they're in sports or whether they're in politics, whatever, how they will present yeah, their but, opinions but it, But the whole the thing world. turned into a debate about what was in his contract, not yeah. about what, what the whole who had that erupted. Mm. You know, I tell you what yeah. we'll do, Paul. No. We'll pause mm. for twenty seconds and we'll play a clip. Ross Atkins, who I have alluded to in the past, will say uh, open source on on BBC, and uh, he's doing a few different bits and pieces as well. And he gave us uh, a brief description. Well, it's not brief. There's about six or seven minutes in this uh, about the fallout and where we're going now. So we'll just listen to this. And we can maybe come back and, and talk about it again. Erlinica will be back on the BBC this weekend. And on Monday morning, we heard from the BBC Director General, Tim Davey. We have got to a point where we've agreed how to go forward and protect the BBC's impartiality. That's what we're doing. The BBC says there will be a review led by an independent expert on its existing social media guidance, with a particular focus on how it applies to freelancers, outside news and current affairs. Gary Lineker says he supports this review, but fundamental questions for the BBC remain about Tim Davies' leadership, about his approach to impartiality, about how it came to this. We also heard from Mr Davy at the weekend. People want to be able to express opinions. I understand that. I have only one objective, which is to make sure the BBC is truly impartial. When Tim Davy took over in 2020, he said impartiality was his number one priority, the issue now is how he went about that. And getting into the detail of this is no small undertaking. There are editorial guidelines on impartiality, social media guidance, the BBC's Royal Charter references it, as well as whatever individual contracts might say too. There's a lot. Let's start with the definition. BBC guidelines say impartiality is reflecting all sides of arguments and not favouring any side, but they add Right, Paul, that's just a little bit uh, as to how we said the BBC yeah. wound up r- r- reporting it uh, the, the, themselves, but uh, we, we'll discuss it ourselves. Yeah. Y- I, give I, us your thoughts. I, I, the stage is now set for a change. There's no doubt about that um, in how it is the kind of information is disseminated privately, if you want to call it that, through the BBC or through people that might work in the BBC. And that's and even the, the bits that we heard there... There is a structure or they will be creating an, an investigation and a structure for the future on that. But what we're not hearing about there, and it was kind of the point actually that Campbell was making at the start, which is a broader issue, the whole public service broadcasting issue. And we talked about, and you mentioned the enemy within, uh, about putting in the Conservative chairman and the Conservative members who came from 10 Downing Street or who came from donors and who kind of sorted out loans for Boris Johnson. Yeah. If the BBC just choose to deal with this specific issue on how it is that people perform on social media, well, they're not really going to do the job it is that that needs to be done on behalf of public service broadcasting. There is a problem. There's a massive problem here. If the government of the day, whether it's Conservative or Labour, get to choose who it is the chairperson of the BBC actually is, who it is that sits on the board of the BBC, who it is that the director general of the BBC, then you're potentially always going to have a conflict of interest. And you're looking there at the three. Poli- there are political appointments. There are political appointees. Bad we, news, a yeah. bad idea, a bad idea when it comes to this era now, which has never been more important of, of public service broadcasting. A bad idea that you have your director general was a, 
um, county council candidate um, and a chairperson of a kind of a local branch of the Conservatives in London. Your chairman facilitated the €800,000 loan, possibly underwrote, we don't know that yet, possibly yeah. underwrote. And fa- fa- failed to mention it during yeah, interviews. Possibly. And one of your board members is Theresa May's um, communications spin doctor. spin doctor, who also apparently, what we're starting to hear now, was a real... Um, Piece of work. Nasty piece of work when it came to Brexit and how the BBC mm. reported on Brexit in 2016. You know, so if you don't deal with that in dealing with this issue, this is a broader issue than just Gary Lineker's tweet or um, Alan Sugar's tweet. If you don't deal with that, you're not going to substantially deal with what it is that the problem actually and is. And in, in the interest of fairness, we should point out that I think during the 80s and, uh, sorry, well, in the 90s, that uh, when Labour were in power, they would have put political people Absolutely. I- I- yeah. into, into Greg Dyke, in, you'll you, you well. remember yeah. famously, um, who's the guy that he does a lot of productions. He's a Labour person. Yeah, yeah he does, uh, Alan, is it Yentob is his name or something? Yeah. You know, yeah it's, it's very political. It's horrendously yeah. political. But again, we had a commission of broadcasting here in Ireland. Like the same thing will apply to a, a lesser extent here in Ireland. We had it actually even with, with the RTE authority. It's a, political, it's a political system as well. Is it now, and we had a commission of broadcasting here in Ireland just last year. Um, Which the politicians agreed with every part of it, except for one. The whole, the whole thing about the TV licence. The TV, uh, TV licence. Well, look, the thing comes down to two things. Because that's politics. It's, it's the funding. It can, yeah. Look, I, I, I watched it kind of closely at the time because, you know, we've got community radio like we're involved in. We have local radio. We have the online platforms now and we have RTE. But the thing is, interestingly, Breen McCrae, the former president of DCU, was the man who chaired it. Interestingly, the whole thing, about 2,000 submissions, the whole thing became about how are we going to get money for RTE? rather than a broader kind of perspective. So I'm saying the whole nature of public service broadcasting is definitely, because of the changing environment, is definitely out there now. Maybe, maybe, maybe the BBC and RTE and all these public service broadcasters are not quite the great paragons of virtue it is that they think they are in relation to public service broadcasting. Are they actually providing a proper public service broadcasting model? Are they doing that? You know, they're, they're, inti- they're, 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 they're inclined to kind of be very self-congratulatory. So I think we have to have a robust and proper discussion um, about the whole broad concept of public service broadcasting, if we're honest about this. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, we're here talking about from a community radio uh, point of view, and well, we, we would have opinions on it, basically, yeah. you know, that would say the, uh, potential avenues of funding uh, to, you know, to try and do stuff uh, yeah, can be limited. We've but, probably but, broken, though, <laughs> we yeah. probably, you know, in our kind of political presentation, we've probably broken a huge amount of guidelines and rules in relation to public service broadcasting and impartiality in how it is we speak here at various times. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. But you like to think that, uh, you know, you're part of a community and that people, you know, you're still, you're in the marketplace of ideas. You're still yeah. out there kind of debating, discussing, you know, and anybody is welcome to come in here and yeah, debate a, and a discuss. a robust discussion. You know, is, is always welcome. But and, and everybody knows, you know, everybody knows yeah. who I am and who knows who you are. Yeah. That kind of a thing, we, we know who it is that you are. Yeah, and, and, and I said, it's, like, it's like everything, we're, we're voicing opinions, you may agree, you may disagree, but if you want to come and discuss it, or if you want to, you know, get in touch, you can. And yeah. we and we, we, we will uh, listen and uh, sort of, uh, you know, hear anyone out. And I'm sure we'll be doing plenty of that in the lead up to the elections uh, on uh, this side of the fence, yeah. we say with the councils next year, and you know, who, who knows what what else will uh, happen with that as well? But just go go back to the whole scenario with, with Lineker. Like mm. you, you, you had a scenario where basically the BBC they pushed him to literally withdraw the tweet. Mm. He wouldn't. He mm. wouldn't apologise. Yeah. So then they sort of pulled him off match of the day. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then every other journalist decided. Well, 
I'm not going doing it. Well, come, uh, like Ian yeah. Wright, Alan Shearer. Yeah, I, and sorry, yeah, the, and, pun, and the pundits o- first. Other shows, yeah. other shows. The pundits first. Commentators. Yeah, so, all, so, it snowballed yeah, by yeah, Friday So, so then they, Friday wa- they wound up sort of putting on Match of the Day, uh, basically, where there was no commentary. <laughs> it was like some Russian thing from the 1970s. Yeah, so you know, people probably, some people but might But of course, they had, their, they had their highest figures. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate irony of it, Paul. <laughs> you know, and th- this is where you start to, this is where you go back to, um, is, is it is it the, this cult of social media is just driving things, you, you know? Mo- yeah, it is most definitely. I think there's even, like, and that's the probably the big one that we all kind of are aware of in the last week because you'd want to be on, Mars not to have heard about Gary Lineker but there was another interesting um, social media snowball um, which had probably more profound um, and continues to have profound impacts and that would be people might have heard or might have seen the SVB bank the Silicon Valley bank which went bust last week that all began on the basis of a reaction tweet on Twitter on Twitter so you've got this kind of significant um, bank and we saw all this back with Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers in 2008, but now we are here in 2023 when we didn't have t- Twitter um, 15 years ago. Or we didn't have it as significant. But now, on the basis of Twitter and kind of opinions being expressed online and snowballing online, a bank, which looks like it could be in a little bit of difficulty, goes absolutely bust. And that contagiously, we see now Credit Suisse, a big European bank, Apparently is in trouble now as well today uh, and, and needed and, and share, shares in European shares plummeting the whole it, and, and it, that has an effect in Ireland as well because we say we still own yeah. the state still owns yeah. a huge percentage well, see, of it, AIB. It, it, it's the impact it has on the broader thing. So if if we're in a position now, never mind faulty lending and faulty valuations on property and things, which was the foundation stone for the last financial crisis. But if we're on the basis, if we're now in a position whereby Twitter which is just trying to put wind yeah. into solidity. Yeah. I, I, um, if, if that's what we're going to use as our metric for success or um, unsuccess- unsuccessful or successful, um, we're in a lot of trouble. And if you can apply that to economics or you can apply it to politics, um, it's a tool, I think, that we're going to have to be... Um, yeah. I, I, how, how you do that, I don't know. I don't I, and know. And Elon Musk is in charge of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that that's an indicator, a side side. side part of it as well, Paul, that you would say how those things have sort of become important. He's paid forty-four billion to sort of buy Twitter and some people would say, why is he going to make money out or is he going to do X, Y, or Z? He could just be pushing an agenda and he has an agenda. Yeah. And it's a bit like some of these things that may they may have been on Twitter before, but they wouldn't have gained the traction mm. that they might have previously. Now because he's in control of the, the great famous yeah. word the algorithms yeah, he it. can amplify what he wants to amplify mm. and you, then you go back to is free there, speech and well, talk about language whether it's free speech language economics banking it seems now um, that we're in a kind of a wild west of how it is that information is transmitted and digested yeah. ultimately by people exactly and the big issue is to what's real and what's fake news yeah this is it. You know, this and, is where and, we are. And, and, and that's what it boils down to. Right. Mm. Listen, that's enough there. Um, we'll play. Have we another bit of music you might want to play? Have you any particular requests that you, you might come up with? 
Um, oh, God, you put me on the spot there. Now, what could, what could we... What, uh, you, 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 yeah. were, you were thinking on your feet in the last piece vis-a-vis Belfast yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah, well, I, I suppose another one bites the dust by Queen is the one that sort of is, is coming <laughs> com- 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 to mind for me. You know, the, with, actually, with there's a very the interesting one. Again, a, a song, it struck my mind there. It play, we played at the time of the last 2020 um, presidential election in the US and we used Willie Nelson and Karen O's version of Under Pressure. Yes. And interestingly, though, that has cropped up. Um, I, just, I haven't seen, um, go back to the Oscars at the very start of our, of our discussions here today. Paul Meskell's um, nomination for Best Actor is in a film called After Sun. And there's a phenomenal, I haven't seen the film, but I've seen some of the clips looking at the film now. There's a beautiful, beautiful sequence, which kind of is the cornerstone of the whole film at the end of that, using the original David Bowie, um, Freddie Mercury, Under yeah. Pressure, in lighting. It's really good. It's a, it's a beautiful anchor for what looks like a really good film that Paul Meskell Fill it after some. Will we use under pressure? Wait, wait, um, wait, we'll wait, use the original wait, this time. We'll, okay, use, the original. Wait, wait, we'll use the original. Well, we, and you never know in post production, we might add a bit <laughs> of the two of them. You know, so okay. right, we'll, we'll be back. the manager of the local football team. Didn't you and he used to be the best of friends? But we're still best friends. No, we are not. Who says we're not? Say somewhere else. Listen, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. You didn't do anything. I just don't like you no more. Well, you liked me yesterday. The other night, two hours you spent talking to me but how you want to replace Gary Neville with a donkey. I said I want to replace Gary and Phil Neville with me donkey. It shows how much you're listening. You don't stop talking to me and bothering me. Alex, you home? I've got a set of shares at home. Every time you bother me from this day on, I'll cut my fingers off of them. One by one, till I've no fingers left, and I'll give them to you. Does this make things clear to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. Sure, sure, you know. Like. I don't suppose you'd fall in love with a boy like me, would you? Oh, Gary, I don't think so, love. Is it because I got replaced from the team by a donkey? Going back to your own gang now. You're talking to me? Do you know who I'll always remember for being really nice in football? Absolutely no one. Everyone to a man will remember my name. Well, I don't. So there goes that Terry, Alan, or whatever your name is. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Ah! Okay. I guess we're going to have to do this the hard way. (laughs) 